I feel like the, the luckiest man in the world today. Hit it! But right now, I'm gonna need you, Tommy boy, to get this place going! Oh, for me, Dad? Yeah, you, Tommy boy! Get it! Dad, I really don't think... Okay. First rocket, take it, Tommy boy! Hey, Mama, don't you treat me wrong! Come and love me, baby, all night long! Testify, yeah. Tommy boy! Testify! Oh, 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 right now! Oh, yeah, Tell me what I say! Give it to me, Tommy boy! Woo. Give it to me, Tommy boy! boy, Tommy Fitz. The summer of Tom Fitzgerald is officially bestowed upon us. What a week it has been to be a Devils fan. I feel like I've been saying that all year. But really, it just continues to get better and better. This is like a snowball rolling downhill, and uh, the Devils are about to uh, to be a real force in the NHL for a very long time. And today was um, was a big piece of that puzzle. Welcome, everybody, to the Trap Podcast. I am Bill Botch, and what an exciting day it is. Today, Tom Fitzgerald puts the nail in the coffin with Timo Meyer, $8.8 million over the next eight seasons, the max term that you could give a restricted free agent. And I could not be happier for Tom Fitzgerald, for our fan base, and for, of course, Timo Meyer. Timo Meyer came over in a package deal that we all know what it was. It was two first, Fabian Zetterlin, Shakir Mukamadoulin, and Nikita Ohutuk. And it was a ballsy move by Fitzgerald to trade away that many prospects and picks for a player that you did not have, um, that you didn't have under contract long term. Now he obviously he would have had the ten million dollar qualifying offer, which he would have, which it would have gave him more time to negotiate a contract. But at that point, if he would have got to that point next year, um, there would have been no reason for Meyer to he would have wanted to test free agency, I'm assuming. And rightfully so, because Meyer is a very rare commodity in the NHL, especially um, with his size and physicality. He would have been able to demand upwards of $9.5 million uh, for the next, uh, it would have been a seven-year deal, but he would have been able to have those kind of demands. You have to also like think that Claude Lemieux, his agent, and Meyer knew how much the Devils had sacrificed in order to get him, knew that the Devils couldn't afford to let him go, and were still able to negotiate and sign a deal under $9 million. I think it really shows the quality and um, how easy it was to work with Timo Meyer, especially after what the devils had gone through during the brat thing not to not to keep beating that you know bringing that up but you you could see how some players and some agents might be harder to deal with than others so to see Meyer basically Tom Fitzgerald came out after he signed brat and publicly said which it was pretty rare that we've talked to Timo Meyer Timo Meyer has told his agent to get a max term deal done and sure enough this morning Pierre Lebrun reported earlier that it seems like the Devils and Meyer have made progression on their contract negotiations. And then sure enough, uh, it was just probably about two hours later, the deal gets done. This is a huge move for the Devils. Um, you know, it, it started last year. Everybody had known that Meyer was the perfect fit for New Jersey based upon his gameplay and, and what he brings to the team. He's a big, solid winger 
He's like a bull out there. And he plays a power forward game with a lot of skill involved in it too. I mean, one of the things about Meyer is that he drives play. I mean, there's a lot of power forwards, but very few can drive play the the way that Meyer does. He was a 40-goal scorer last year. He's very consistent. He's put up very consistent stats, and he's reliable. He he plays in majority of his games. He does not miss many games, and that's uh, that's an attribute that you can't really put a price tag on. That's a you know the most important thing is being there when your team needs you, and I think you know you see a guy that plays as physical and gets as nasty and plays as a, a, the type of game that he does, and the fact that he's able to be durable and he's uh, out there every night, it, it goes a long way for this team. You saw the hit that he took from Truba this year in the playoffs, and, I mean, it broke the guy's face, and he was able to come back, and he was able to, you know, he missed he missed the end of that game, but he missed the first game versus Carolina and was able to come back in the second game. The guy is just the definition of an old-school hockey player. Um, but, man, does he, does he, you know, I think it's he's going to add a lot more value to the team once he gets a full camp under his belt, he gets equated, you know, uh, acclimated with the players a little bit, and he finds his spot. He was bouncing around. He played on the first line. He played with Hughes, and then he played on the third line. And what was crazy was you're able to see how much he could really drive play when he was playing on a third line with Fabian Zetterlin, and he was playing on a third line with Halla and Boquist. It's like if you're driving, if you're driving play on a, on a line with those two, it, it, I think it, you know, it shows the type of game and how valuable you really are. So. After his exit interview, he was very professional about it. He didn't give up too much, and that might have been a, a play on his hand, uh, you know, that his agent wanted him to do. But either way, I think he um, he just basically said, "We'll see what happens." And uh, it was awesome to see him just say, "This is where I want to be. Sign the longest deal you can, and let's get it done." And the Devils were able to get it done literally in a couple weeks. So, congratulations to all the Devils fans. Um, you know, it's funny, like we I had the when I yelled the Timo time during the national anthem, like that was like a part of this. I feel like we've all been a part of Timo Meyer making it to New Jersey and now we're gonna watch him play and he's gonna be such an important part of this puzzle, especially as the Devils try to make some Stanley Cup runs in this, in the future. I can definitely see. You know, I made a really bold statement in one of my previous podcasts where I said if the Devils can get Timo Meyer to to sign a max term contract, that'll mean that he'll be here for this whole window that opens up with Jack and with Nico and um, the whole crew: Luke Hughes, Nemitz, Dougie, Brat. And I said, if he signs the max term contract, they are going to retire his number one day. I think that he will be that important. I think that the Devils will win multiple Stanley Cups, and I think that he will go down as a Devils legend. I really do. I don't know why. I just, I think it's just the game he plays. I think it's how humble he is. I think he's meant for the playoffs. You know, people said that he didn't show up in the playoffs. That's just not true. His shooting percentage was very, very low, but he drove a lot of play. If you look at the analytics, he was extremely involved, especially in the in the Ranger series. Um, he was all over the place. Nobody got under um, Shesterkin's skin the way that he did. So uh, I'm I'm just very excited to have Meyer here long term on a favorable deal. I said anything under nine was a win. Eight point eight is more than fine. 
you know, Kevin Weeks kind of teased it last week with an 8.5 deal. And I think that he is, he, he got under his value, to be honest with you. I thought he, I think he's easily a $9 million plus player. And, uh, it just goes to show you the work that um, Tom Fitzgerald has really put in and, and it's real brilliance from management on the devil's part, which it's been a long time since we've seen this for years. I mean, we were making moves and just, it was very hard to draw people to New Jersey. And um, you, you see what we're doing now and you see the, you know, the lure that Jersey has behind it, where Connor Hellebuck's interested in coming here, and um, you know Travis Green, he he could have, you know, they said that Detroit, and they said that um, their other teams were interested in him, and he chose to come here. The Devils are becoming a destination because people see that their window is open, and we are chalked full with young talent. So, what an amazing day for Devils fans. And really, what an amazing week. And it feels like this keeps just happening over and over. Um, it was earlier this week that Tom Fitzgerald makes a huge trade uh, out of nowhere for the most part. So the Flames are having a mass exodus. I couldn't imagine being a Calgary Flames fan right now. That's got to be so sad. You just watch all your players leave. It starts with Goudreau and Kachuk. Now it's Hannafin, and then it's Toffoli, and uh, Lindholm, and it's like, oh my God, that poor team. I mean, Daryl Suter, he really, uh, he really rubbed people the wrong way up there. But the Devils are able to make a trade with the Calgary Flames and acquire Tyler Toffoli for Yegor Sharangovich in a third-round pick. This is a masterclass. This is a total dominating negotiation by Fitzgerald. This is an F minus for Calgary and an A plus plus for the Devils. You're trading, you're trading Sharon Govich, who was a restricted free agent, who was going to be literally a 13th or 14th forward who had no place on this team moving forward. If the Devils are serious about win, winning Stanley Cups, which they are, there was no place for Sharon Govich. We all remember the playoffs last year. We all remember him being a healthy scratch. Seven defensemen, 11 forwards, not playing with nearly enough confidence, not playing with nearly enough energy, no physicality whatsoever, and scoring literally three goals in his previous 44 games. The guy just couldn't drive play. He couldn't. The only way that Yegor Sharangovich is successful is if he plays along Jack Hughes. And to be honest, there are hundreds of players, or maybe not hundreds, but there are a lot of players that will be successful if they play alongside Jack Hughes. And if you're trying to win a Stanley Cup, Sharangovich is not playing on your second or first line, period. And he did not play heavy enough, and he did not play with the intensity to play on a fourth line. He was not a good enough four checker. So his only place that he could have played was the third line. The Devils have kids coming up, Nolan Foote in particular, and Graham Clark, who are fighting for a roster spot who are on entry-level deals, 
which are going to be necessary in order for the Devils to continue to bring in pieces. They go out and they make the trade for Toffoli. Toffoli, to me, is just such an ideal pickup. You look at, we're going to lose Tatar. You know, Tom Fitzgerald came out and said that Thomas Tatar, Miles Wood, Ryan Graves are all going to test free agency coming up. And that's that's fine. Tatar played very good this year. I mean, I think Tatar got off to a, a rough start last year. But this year, he played really good, especially when he played on a first line with Heischer and Mercer. I think that that line really clicked for a while. Um, and what was good about Tatar is you could throw him down on the third line too, and he, he fit in really good with a roll down there. He plays good along the boards. He's good in front of the net. He's a pro. There's no doubt about it. The guy disappeared in the playoffs, though. The guy has consistently disappeared in the playoffs. He was going to demand a raise. This was a great opportunity for the Devils to backfill his role with a player who is better than him, who is a proven playoff player, who plays in the nasty parts of the ice and has a 200-foot game. He's responsible defensively. He could play well along the boards. And Toffoli's release is nasty. He had 30-something goals last year. He is a proven goal scorer, and he's a Stanley Cup champion. He's been to two Stanley Cups, one with the Kings and one with the Canadians. This guy is going to play in your top six, and it is going to allow you... So your top six is going to be a combination, and we know that Ruff likes to mix and match all these players around. And to be honest with you, Fitzgerald wants to not just have the best top six, he wants a good top nine. So with the with the coaching style that Lindy puts together, and we watch this go all the way into the playoffs, he likes mixing and matching his lines a lot. And to be honest with you, like I was always one for let some guys get some chemistry together, but if you can mix and match your guys often enough to where they all have kind of chemistry with one another and all know how to work together, it could allow you to maybe maneuver and to maybe put together lines um, depending on what kind of team you're playing against. But you're going to have some sort of combination of Brat, Heischer, um, Mercer, and then Hughes, Meyer, Toffoli. I'm not saying in the, that order. I'm just saying those are going to be your top six forwards. And what that's going to allow you to do is it's going to allow you to put Palat down on a third line and he's going to play wing and Hall is going to play center and you're going to be able to potentially put Alex Holtz in that right wing spot which insulates him perfectly like how could you support a young player a seventh overall pick more than having him play with two players like Eric Halla and Andre Palat those are both guys that play the game very responsible defensively, uh, will make up for any kind of defensive deficiencies, play good along the boards, get in front of the net, create open ice. This is the, exactly the kind of opportunity that Alex Holtz wants. Whether or not Lindy Ruff is going to give him a fair shot at becoming a viable piece of this team in that position, that's a whole different story. I really wish he would. I mean, we know the kind of shot that Holtz has. He's been working hard. I I don't I don't understand the 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 hate on him from the coaching staff. Um, maybe there's more to it than I than I know, and that could very well be the case. 
<coughs> my point is, Toffoli is going to be able to do a lot of things with, and he's going to be able to execute them in the top six role. Now, one of the things that he's really good at is his release. So Toffoli can shoot the puck. It is, he's got a very, very fast release. What he does not have is very fast feet. He's not the fastest of fleet dude. So um, whether or not it takes him a minute to get used to the speed of the Devils, the Devils are a very fast team. Whether or not it takes him a minute uh, uh, to get used to the team, that's another story. Luckily for Toffoli, he has the entire training camp to go into and kind of try to acclimate himself with the team. I would not be surprised if it took him a minute to get on the same page with the team um, and with his line mates, but he has the hockey IQ to get into the right places at the right time. And he definitely has the finishing ability and he has the willingness to go into high danger areas uh, and get in front of the net to tip pucks and get rebounds and whatnot. One of the great things that he has that we have been looking for for a very long time is a right-handed shot. So he is going to be able to play on the power play. And that is going to be really big for us. He is a power play player. So the Devils have obviously had a rough time converting on the power play. Um, and if you want to win a Stanley Cup, you have to play. You ha- your power play has to execute. So don't be surprised if now that Brat is signed and Meyer is signed, that one of those guys or even a Heischer don't get first power play minutes. A lot of times... Players want to play and will get pissed off if they don't play on the first power play when they have a contract coming up because a lot of people get points on the power play. You don't have to do that anymore. You know, that's another debate, whether you you front load your top power play or you split up your talent and you have two power plays. Well, at this point, we kind of have so much talent that we can have literally two solid power plays. So... I would not think it was crazy if you dropped Nico down to the second power play and, you know, you had Hughes play, Luke Hughes play on this, on the second, you know, uh, control the the point on the, on the second power play quarterback, the power play. I'm saying there's a lot of different options, but don't be surprised when you see the Foley potentially playing on the top power play unit. And one of the stars on the devils, the brats, the Heishers, um, or the Myers, not playing on the first power play unit. Uh, to fully, if you look at his at his, um, you know, you look at his J Fresh card, and it's really you compare him to Sharon Govich. Sharon Govich just signed today a two year, three point one million dollar deal. To fully is making four point uh, four point two million dollars and has one year left on his contract. He's made it very clear that he wants to sign a deal with the next team that he goes to um, long-term. And whether or not that's the case and whether or not the Devils want that, they had the luxury of kind of giving him an opportunity to play with the team, seeing how he fits in, potentially seeing what kind of what he does in the playoffs, and then offering him a deal. What's great is everybody's kind of taking a team-friendly deal at this point. I think if he knows he has an opportunity to try to win another potential Stanley Cup, you might be able to get him cheaper. Now, he is going to be uh, in line for a pretty significant raise. So to give you an idea as to how good of a player Toffoli really is, we'll go through his J Fresh card. 
and we'll compare him to Sharon Govich, which I don't, I, I've never really been a big Sharon Govich fan. I think he has a very great story and he's definitely uh, a guy that I, I, it's not that I'm not a fan. I, I don't like his game. I like him as a person. He's definitely a very, you could tell, a sweet kid and he's got a young family and he's from Belarus and it, he defied all the odds and uh, you know, I commend him for that. I really do. Like that's that's very impressive. But the truth is, he doesn't. To me, he just doesn't look like the type of person that's going to be an impact player on a team that is trying to win a Stanley Cup. And he is able to score goals, but if he's not scoring goals, he doesn't really offer too much. He can penalty kill from time to time. But the truth is, if the Devils sign Bastion and they have McLeod, and it's like. They don't really need Sharon Govich to be a penalty killer. So the problem was he he wants to get paid like a 20-goal scorer, but he doesn't offer anything else, and he really doesn't contribute when he's not playing alongside Hughes. So if you go into some of these like um, these analytics, uh, goals per 60 uh, to fully 73%, and Sharon Govich is 65%. Uh, the competition level, 44% for Sharon Govich, 86% for Tyler Toffoli. Um, finishing, Tyler Toffoli, 87%. Igor Sharon Govich, 70%. Uh, defensive percentage, 73% Tyler Toffoli, 23% for Igor Sharon Govich, and offense percentage, 85% for Toffoli, 56% for Sharon Govich. So you can see that Toffoli clearly drives play, while Sharon Govich does not drive play at all, but also plays a much more responsible and well-rounded game overall, even away from the puck, than Sharon Govich does, which I think is really important if you're trying to make a deep playoff run. So to give you an idea, like I said, Sharon Govich has three goals in his last 44 games and was a healthy scratch in some of the biggest games that the Devils have played in the past decade. Now you get into a guy like Toffoli. Um, he he literally um, when he's on the ice, they outscored opponents last year, fifty-eight to thirty-seven. That is on a horrible Calgary team. So he was dominant, sixty percent expected goals for right. So then you get into over the last three seasons. Tyler Toffoli has 82 goals. So to give you an idea as to where that ranks, he is tied for goals in the past three years with John Tavares, Brad Marchand, Brady Kachuk. So these are he is not, this is a guy that's going to, he's he's actually, he's not getting paid nearly as much as he should. He's going to demand a raise next year, but the Devils will be able to play with him at a $4.25 million cap hit this year which allows them to go after other additions to this team to make it a more well-rounded, add a little depth. You know what I mean? Uh, this, is a, this is just a really good pickup, and uh, it's, he is going to add more experience, more championship pedigree, and he's going to bring uh, a lot of value to this team uh, of youngsters. And I think, um, I think having – every time you can get players that could slot people down – it's always better because it just leads to more favorable matchups. Now we're at the point where our forward group is pretty solid to where 
I don't know if anybody can really touch us as far as no one's fitting into your top six. We're done in the top six. You go into our third line, which to me was a major issue last year. And um, you're going to have a fight for, now you got Palat, Hala, and I mean, I think those are two great third line players. I love those matchups. Uh, and they're both signed long-term for the most part, Hall of three years, uh, which we can get into. So let's get into that. So um, Tom Fitzgerald goes out and he signs Eric Hall to a three-year, $3.3 million average annual salary last week. Hall is a guy who we knew after this season ended, he wanted to be a devil long-term, or not long-term, but he wanted to re-sign here. And he was very open about it. And he was willing to sacrifice any kind of leverage he had in order to show his willingness and his love for the team. He said that he wanted to stay here. This was his family. And the truth is, he's one of the guys on the team who actually has a family with children and stuff. And I'm sure that he doesn't want to bounce around too much. He knows that they have a chance to make a serious run and be potential Stanley Cup contenders for the forthcoming, you know, forthcoming future. Uh, so he, he kind of put all his chips on the card and let Tom Fitzgerald know um, what, what he thought. And um, they were able to go and get that done. What I, I probably would have preferred to see a two-year deal, honestly. But Hall had a good year last year, and he, he kind of he played himself that extra year. He earned that extra year by his play. And it was funny because he got off to such a strange start. He was... Talk about a guy who couldn't finish. I mean, literally, he could not put the puck in the net, which was never his problem. His um, his shooting average was his career lowest for the first 40 games of the season last year. But with that said, Jack Hughes thrived like he's never thrived before when Halla played on his line. And Jack blatantly has come out and said publicly, that he loved playing on the line with Halla, and I think that Halla and Hughes kind of have a, a a bromance going on. They, you know, they were able to they put him on the second line. He really doesn't belong in the second line. He took a lot of faceoffs for Jack during important parts of a game. He was he was stronger in the faceoff circle, and then you start to see him get that monkey off of his back as the season went on, and really down the stretch. It was probably about the last 15 games of the year you started to see Hall really turn it up, and they started going in for him, and he started feeling more comfortable, and he got on a roll right as the playoffs rolled along, and he was arguably one of our best players in the playoffs. I thought he played amazing, and that's the kind of players you're going to need when push comes to shove. You know, One of the things that I really loved about the, the Foley pickup and I love about the Meyer signing is that you saw how, you know, you saw how the it, the game changes in the playoffs, and and the, the Rangers were very easy to play against as far as physicality wise. I mean, don't get me wrong, Truba broke, you know, Timo's face, but besides that, it was not a very physical series. And then the game got a little heavier, and there was a little less ice when they played versus Carolina. And I think that the Devils knew that they got pushed around a bit. But, it, you know, what's scary is you look at that with Carolina and then you see what how Florida pushed Carolina around. And then you saw how Vegas pushed Florida around. So you need to have that physicality and you need to have guys that go to the front of the net and guys that drive to the net. And I think that a guy like Toffoli, who not only can drive to the net, but could score on the power play and has a nice release, he could play a two-way game, he could throw the body. 
I mean, he's six foot, he's 200 pounds, thick dude. He's a grown man. He plays grown man hockey, and we need a little bit more of that because we have a ton of skilled players who are kind of their agility perimeter players. But you can't have enough guys like Tyler Toffoli, and you can't have enough guys like Eric Hall. I think they play a very similar game. Obviously, Toffoli is a winger, um, but you're trading a Sharon Govich for a Toffoli, and that is a pretty huge upgrade. So that is a piece of the puzzle that um, I'd like, you know, the Devils really there's only so many more p- players that you could really go after. But like I was saying before, you have Palat and Halla, and now this is the real opportunity for t- to give the number seven overall pick an opportunity to play on the wing with two very responsible players and really protect him and allow him to make mistakes and really see what you have in the kid because he's not doing anybody any good playing in Utica. So they're going to have to, Devils are going to have to make up their mind. I don't, I don't necessarily think that I think I think Lindy Ruff just has a, a problem with Holtz's game. And what's scary is like now you get to the point where it's like there's not a lot of room for error. This team is trying to make a, a run for the Stanley Cup. You know, they brought it up on the Eric uh, on the uh, uh, Elliot Friedman brought it up on the um, on a show today. I'm drawing a blank. Sorry. But uh, he brought it up and said, listen, a lot of people are going to pick the Devils to win the Stanley Cup if they're able to get some solid goaltending. And don't be surprised if the Devils aren't knocking on people's doors trying to find a little bit of um, a little bit of assurance when it comes to the goaltending position. It's like you have Akira Schmid and you have Vanacek, but the Devils just moved Mackenzie Blackwood. And good riddance, honestly. Like, uh, you know, the Mackenzie Blackwood saga... It was a lot for everybody. Um, Blackwood looked really good and looked very promising. And there was a time where we all thought that he was the the goaltender of the future. You know, you saw like it was like Blackwood and Carter Hart. You had some young goalies who were the next generation of goalies. And um, and then there was there was a bunch of weird situations that kind of followed him around. One obviously was the COVID thing. And some people never got over that. And it made him come off selfish to some people probably in the organization. Whether or not it's right or wrong is not the point. I'm saying, and then there was that, you know, there was a claim that the devil's medical staff didn't handle one of his injuries correctly. And that caused a little bit of animosity. And honestly, after that, it was like, the guy couldn't stay healthy. And then when he did, he was just so inconsistent. One night he looked great. The next night he looked like total garbage. There were times where he looked completely disinterested. Um, you know, it was it was tough to watch. I mean, every time that I would go to a game and Blackwood would be starting, I would think to myself, oh my God, this is either going to be, this is going to be bad. Like, this is not going to be good. I really lost faith in him. And I think the Devils really kind of, stuck their necks out for him, especially this season, to give him every opportunity to go out there and prove who he was, despite Schmid playing better than him. And Vanacek uh, obviously got most of the nods, but the truth is he couldn't stay healthy. And they gave him an opportunity to where, hey, listen, if we can't rely on you, there's no way that we can make you our starting goalie. There's no way that you could be the 1B even if you're constantly going to have health issues, which he did. 
So the Devils traded him to San Jose for a six-round pick. Whatever. Um, but the Devils are going to have to seriously take a look at the goaltending market, which obviously we've been linked to Connor Hellebuck for a while now. But the problem is you have Benichak and you have Schmid. They've talked about potentially wanting to send Schmid back down to Utica and letting him cook a little bit longer. Um, they're not really in the position to do that right now. So uh, obviously Nico Dawes is injured and he's going to be injured for most of the season. So you don't have any depth. And the Devils have 16 back-to-backs coming up this year, the most in the NHL. You are going to need solid goaltending, and you're going to need two goaltenders. So there are a couple options that the Devils are looking at. Now, Connor Hellebuck has been linked to the team. Whether or not he would be willing to lower his AAV is, uh, I, I, don't, I think it's irrelevant, to be honest with you, because it's, it's too high, $9.5 million per year. For a guy who's going to be 31 when it kicks in, you're paying him for what he's done, not what he's not not what he's going to do. You know what I mean? And there's no doubt about it. He's one of the best goaltenders in the league, and the Devils could have a real shot to win a Stanley Cup if he's between the pipes. There's no doubt about that. But it's going to limit what you're able to do with some of your other players. I'd rather build a team around him, uh, around the goaltender. Uh, you look at like what the Colorado Avalanche did with Grubauer, and you look at what you know, Vegas just did with Hill. I think that you want to spend your money with your players who are on the ice because all you need is a hot goaltender in the playoffs to take you to the promised land. Let's be real. Like Bobrovsky didn't even play down the stretch in the regular season and he got hot in the playoffs. So, but I still think there is a need to go out and get some sort of depth goaltender or make a move and go after a guy like Vimelka a Jeremy Swayman, a younger guy who can, you know, you could sign him and then potentially put Schmid down in Utica, let him stay down there, have Venacek and Swayman, and then when Venacek contract const, when Venacek's contract is up, you could bring up Schmid and it could be a Schmid and Swayman duo. Um, but don't be surprised if Tom Fitzgerald doesn't make a move to try to solidify and kind of add a little depth to that goaltending position because I think that's one of the last pieces of the puzzle. Obviously, I brought it up a bunch of times at this point. Like, we have a very, very young blue line. That is going to be tough for anybody who comes in to play goal for us. So you, if Nemitz is going to make the team, which it seems like it's like a 50-50 chance to really want to see what he can do in in camp. If he's going to make the team, you're going to have Ball and Luke Hughes and Nemitz, and that is just, that's a lot of inexperience when it comes to your back end. And um, I think the Devils are going to go out, and I think they're going to make a move for a depth defenseman. Uh, you know, a guy who plays a heavier solid role, shot blocker, clear the net kind of guy um, that will allow one of our younger prospects to come up and play and potentially, uh, you know, insulate them a little bit. So these are all, these are all good problems to have, by the way. So it has been in a, it has been seriously a masterclass by Tom Fitzgerald. And, you know, it was just, it took so long to get people to want to come to New Jersey and really like big shout out to Dougie Hamilton, who's like one of the first people that really stuck his neck out. And you see how he's embraced 
New Jersey and he does the the schedule release videos for the second year in a row and um and now it's become a destination and you know our counterparts across the river you know the Rangers are looking over at us and thinking oh shit you know the whole rest of the metropolitan is looking at us and saying oh my god what what is going on with New Jersey right now these are contracts are beautiful and I really can't thank Tom Fitzgerald enough um, I think all of us can say that it's been a real just schooling in what team management and cap salary management looks like. It's been so impressive and it really sets us up long-term to be able to make some moves to where if something doesn't work out. No one player can burn us. If something doesn't happen right and somewhat one of these contracts doesn't work out inc- you know, correctly, the team isn't dead. We have a we have a strong enough core of players to where we're that are on favorable contracts to where we'll be able to get by, especially as the contract um, as the salary cap continues to rise. One of the guys that we've we've uh, yet to talk about was Dawson Mercer, and there's been talk about Mercer trying to get him extended. He's a guy to where you know there's really no rush. There, don't be surprised if he doesn't you know if they don't extend him during the season you know, in the fall, potentially give him like a five-year deal. But uh, you'd like to see him, the, the longer we wait for him, the more productive he is, and then the higher it's going to cost him. So you'd like to see him. I'd like to see the Devils get him for six and a half, maybe less. Um, he just seems like such a nice kid. You wonder if he'd take less, you know, if he'd take less and longer term or something just to be part of this. He was such a team player. But um, either way, either way, these are all very, very good problems to have. And um, this has just been, this has been an amazing week. So you're going to have a couple, we're going to have a couple of signings. You're going to see Kevin Ball is going to get locked up. They're going to have to give a, a contract to McLeod. You're going to see what they're going to do with Nate Bastion. I think they really like foot. He's somebody that I think is going to have a really good camp. He played in six games this season in, in place of Miles Wood. But I think there's a lot riding on Alex Holtz. And this Toffoli signing really sets up a situation to where name another spot in the entire league where you could put a seventh overall pick who has potential. It's not like the kid doesn't have potential. He's got the shot. He's going to be in the perfect scenario to succeed. It's just up to the organization to really give him a little bit of runway. And I think if he does and he could just pop, it might, it might take 15 games. It it might take 20 games, but if he, if you give him the opportunity, if you have Alex Holtz all of a sudden become something and could put in 20 something goals, holy shit, where does that leave you? He's like unforeseen at this point. So I don't know. I think I think Ruff has to really and and what's crazy is, you know, you look at what they did with by moving Blackwood is they took that card out of Lindy Ruff's hand. They took the Miles Wood card out of Lindy Ruff's hand. Those were two players who were extremely polarizing this year. And by polarizing, I mean everybody just hated watching them play and nobody thought that they deserved the ice time that they were getting. And Ruff continued to run them out there time and time and time again. He did it with Brendan Smith a little bit too, who Smith was definitely 
he he definitely played better than those two. But Wood and Blackwood had the longest leashes out of everybody. And Tom Fitzgerald has removed those two situations from the equation. And now it's you play what you have. And here are the players that you have to play with. And all the players that Lindy Ruff gets to manage now are all players that I know all of us that are listening to this think are good. The one player that really stands out to me that you're not like, oh shit, like I hope Lindy Ruff doesn't fuck this up or I hope he gives them the right opportunity is Alex Holtz. That's it. If Lindy Ruff plays Curtis Cesar over Nate Bastion on the fourth line, there'll be some people that are pissed off about it, but at least you'll have the, you'll understand what he's doing. It's not that crazy. It's not that crazy like playing Miles Wood on the third line or playing Miles Wood on the second line at one point or playing Miles Wood on the power play. Like that doesn't make any sense at all. But to not give Alex Holtz an opportunity to play when you have him so insulated, I think Tom Fitzgerald is really like kind of giving giving Ruff uh, uh, an opportunity to be like, hey, dude, like you got to see what this kid is because if you're never going to play him, I have to move him. And the longer that he sits in Utica and isn't, isn't get moved or last year, we literally just let him sit in the press boxes all year. He didn't even get any time to, to look good in Utica. It's like the less value he has. So that is going to be, I think a huge question mark going into training camp. But um, yeah, this is just another, this is just a really great, we, we, we are just, set up for serious success. I, I can't even believe it. I really can't. We haven't even seen like Seamus Casey or. So, I mean, we'll see what happens. We still have, uh, you know, we have uh, Graham Clark. He's a guy that's going to be fighting for a position. You got foot. That's going to be fighting for a position. You have Alex Holtz. that's going to be fighting for a position. You know, you wonder what the future holds for Jesper Boquist. We kind of have, we're getting, we're, we're kind of shaking off the stragglers and we're, we're not just bringing in good replacements. We're bringing people that are just at such a higher level and you're getting deals done. And I mean, Tom Fitzgerald, um, he should win general manager of the year so far. Kevin Weeks just now on ESPN on possible trades tonight. Could Connor Hellebuck be going to the New Jersey Devils? The Devils are cooking right now. That's Kevin Weeks. Holy moly. I, I don't even know. <laughs> I don't even know. This is great. I can't wait. Pierre Lebrun expects Connor Hellebuck to end up in New Jersey on a team-friendly extension. Holy shit. Oh my God. I mean, oh my God. Are you guys having fun? Are you guys enjoying this yet or what? This has been, this is so fun. I can't wait for this season, but I will, <laughs> I'll have another episode for you guys very shortly. Um, We'll see what happens if anything, if anybody moves the needle when it comes to Connor Hellebuck or if the Devils make any other kinds of signings, I'll have an episode for you guys. And then also, uh, we're going to we're gonna do an episode on the uh, 
on the schedule release. So I love going over that and pointing out some big games and what I think. Sometimes I'll do, uh, like last year, I broke it up by month, how many wins I expected the team to have uh, per month and what they needed to make the playoffs. And it kept you, it, it kept me anyway on pace as the season went on this year. So um, things are heating up. Things are heating up. And uh, shout out to shout out to everybody, uh, Tom Fitzgerald and um, all the Devils fans out there. It's fucking been great. You're listening to the Trap Podcast. I am your host, Bill Botch. Great talking to all you guys. Let's go, Devils! You told me to be, I'm a-